Hey, Hawk family and community, and those of you who are new, welcome. I hope that today's becomes an impact to all of you. And those of you who are new, I hope it impacts you the most so that you consider to subscribe and join into our Hawk community. Today's podcast is going to be with myself, Juan, and Coach Justin. All three of us are incredible coaches in hopes of this podcast to inspire, motivate, give some advice and tips and also to be able to encourage more parent coaches to being able to dominate and be better coaches moving forward and get better too. Coach Juan and Justin, you guys both there? Yes, sir. Thanks for yes, having me. Yes, sir. On. Same here. Yes. Uh, Thank you, Drexel. Thank you. Thanks, coach. Sir. So we're going to go into uh, three questions and then after that, we'll have the two questions for uh, from my Hawk family to you that will actually be from parents that are coaches. So um, I think it's going to be a great podcast. And again, I hope that this podcast impacts you guys. And so what I would love to do is I, I would love to have Juan, you go first, and then Justin, you respond after that. Um, when I ask the questions, sound good to you guys? Yeah, it works. Sounds great. All right, awesome. So the first question I actually have is, what do you feel is one of the the myth and misconceptions of being a parent coach that uh, parents should be aware of and also parents of the the child that is being coached by a parent coach? So like a myth and misconception, I guess this is something that Justin and I actually talked about uh, together and not everybody and not every coach is it's like, it's not daddy ball all the time. Not every coach is just going to play his kid a hundred percent of the time and just plays friends a hundred percent of the time. Like there are still a lot of good people, a lot of good parents out there that have the right mindset of just developing not only the, the player, but the person because they're so young. Like at that point, it's almost like who really cares if they're developing as, as players. And that might be too strong of a statement, but like for the health of the human being and then secondarily the game itself, uh, having that perspective of just letting kids be kids enjoy and just teach in spots. Even if you do not know everything about the game, just teach in spots. So I think the, the biggest thing is that not every coach has that should have that label of just quote unquote daddy ball. I totally agree. And Justin, what's your perspective on that? What do you think are some uh, misconceptions? Yeah, well? ju- yes, absolutely. And and uh, again, thanks for having us on. Um, yeah, just to follow up with Coach Juan, what he was saying, um, I, I do think like I go into a lot of leagues here where I'm at and I give a lot of speeches and talk to parent coaches. The first thing that I say to them is you are the underbelly of youth baseball. I think the misconception in general is that they're really not appreciated enough in 2020. I could say 2019, 2020. Um, I think it's really gotten away from uh, the, the appreciation for a parent coach and, and the realization how vital they are. And we're very quick to hear in the leagues that I see, and I'm sure around the country and where you're at, where both of you are at, it's like, oh, we just need professional coaches. You know, leave the parents out of it. I think the misconception is they're important. Um, they provide a tremendous amount of value. They have a lot of practical skills that, frankly, a lot of baseball coaches don't have. So I think if we can work in unison um, 
I think that's a very important thing, a very special thing. So the misconception is that they're not, uh, they feel like, I think, from what I've been talking to a lot of parent coaches, that they feel like they're not as appreciated as what they used to be. That's, I, I haven't heard that, so I'm, I'm learning at, with you guys, uh, with your perspective and what you're saying, too. It's kind of different, and it's kind of uh, cool to hear, and I'm looking forward to learning with you guys. Like I, I say to my my community i'm not better than you guys i'm learning with you so i'm really uh my perspective on this you know question that i even asked you guys is that i think um when it comes to little league or you know programs there's a difference between putting your child into a program and putting your child into a youth sports program um i think when you when you put your child into a a little league or your local um program that's run by the city and or by people who are a part of the little league program or the uh the u.s uh u.s baseball and so when you think of those and there's many more different programs that are out there i think that you have to recognize when you put your child into this specific league that you should know and understand your expectations i think when you put uh, your expectation onto a coach that is a parent that is volunteering and putting their time and effort into the to offer their uh, help and support that we got to have that different perspective of oh you know I'm paying the to help my child be able to play some baseball I'm not necessarily paying for them to get better as a baseball player it's for them to have fun and play some baseball but then when you make that investment, like you're saying, okay, I'm putting money into a travel team or into a uh, baseball program that's supposed to develop my child, then that's, that's where you can start to question, you know, am, should I have my child in this program or something? Because then you're essentially you're investing into it. So I think the misconception that I see most of the time is that parents are taking their kid to a little league and they expect them to be uh, getting a scholarship into their university and all of this stuff to um, <laughs> becoming the best player in the world. Um, and so you have to realize that when you put your child into a little league program that they're there to have fun and that they're playing baseball. I totally agree with that. I think uh, just kind of to stretch on that, Justin and I kind of have two different perspectives on, you know, daddy ball or parent coaching. And he really like opened my eyes, I think last week or the week before where we talked about this, because I'm in a big organization, uh, travel ball, AU, like you name it, like our program does all that type of stuff. So like daddy ball doesn't really exist. Like there are no fathers who coach, right? And and yeah. you do have that expectation from parents of, you know, elite coaching uh, and, and everything that you just mentioned, Drex. Um, Justin sees more of what's actually happening. And I love that he calls it the underbelly. And he has other phrases that, that he calls it, but he sees more of that. He's more on the front lines of all that. And he really opened my eyes on his perspective of, of all of that. And I think, uh, I think this is like a very important conversation and it's a conversation that isn't talked about enough uh, personally. Yeah. And, and I think that, like I I was trying to mention, you know, when you are putting your child into a travel ball team, 
okay, yeah, I, I can see how you have that expectation of, hey, I'm paying you money to help my child get better. But yeah, you, for sure. that's when you have expectations. That's, I understand if you have expectations when you do that, but when you have, when you have, you know, daddy ball or you want to call it whatever, which way you want to call it, if it's a league that's ran by volunteers that sincerely only focus on helping the, their child team, which at my local Laverne little league field, that's how it's ran. It's ran by parents that are, they have a child on the team and they help out or and or they are the head coach for the program, but they help with volunteering. They don't get paid for it. Right. So that you can't expect them to be like knowing all the analytics of all the players and all the different things. Sure, you want them to have some idea of how to run practices and do things like that. But then that's going to be our second, you know, some of the tips that we're going to share in a minute, I think will really help people in if you are that parent and or if you're you're a kid that's listening to this and your dad or you know other parents that are the coaches, this is going to be a great podcast to help you guys you really be able to see how you can get better and or uh, how you can improve and learn from from our podcast today, which I really hope it is. That's our goal for just today. just to piggyback cool. on both Coach Juan and you co- and Coach Rex. So what I'm saying overall. And I totally agree with what you're saying, how you can't expect them to all of a sudden be able to run a pitching practice like Coach Juan or Coach Drexel. But I think it takes a great field general um, in an organization to intertwine parent coaches with professional coaches to not just dismiss them and to intertwine them into a practice, into uh, the organization. I, I, I mean, for me, uh, I, I know, I mean, I, I feel like I'm beginning to really hone my craft of speaking to young kids and youth development uh, within our program. It's really grown. Um, but I'll tell you, one of my many faults is the organization. And if you can intertwine a parent with a professional program and it takes a creative and, and persuasive, I, I guess you could say a field general to intertwine the two. It could be a lethal combination. So I think it's on the professional coaches and the parent coaches to work in unison. That's really my point. Um, but I totally agree with what you're saying. You can't just expect them to get it. That's why we have podcasts like the, like these great ones like we're on right now. Yeah. And, and I think I'm going to, I want to dive into the, the different um, maybe advice or tips that we can give to some of the parent coaches and, or, some even the coaches that are, you know, in running programs right now. Uh, I think that, as you said, they're the underbelly. Parents are the underbelly of the coaching. And I think we I, first thing I want to do is I want to encourage all of those parents to reach out to the professional coaches. Because the professional coaches and or full-time coaches, high school coaches, college coaches, any any coach is going to be willing to take some time to coach a parent to help coach their kids. Because at the end of the day, they may be – those same kids may be their players in the near future. Right. Right. No, 100%. 100%. 100%. And so my, my question to you, Juan, is 
what do you feel are some things that can benefit some parents, coaches that are currently coaching right now and or even just coaches in general? What are some things that you see that you want to stay away from and then things that you want to really hone on to? Uh, so I, I'm big on uh, the health of the game and the future of the game. And I think one of the things that may confuse parents at that level is how they can actually run a practice and organize a practice and not have maybe nine kids just standing in one line. And it's just like one fungal after the other or <laughs> what, like whatever the case may be. Right. We've, yeah, all, we've yeah. all seen those practices. We've all seen practices where there's freaking 15 kids in line and you're getting one rep every God knows how many minutes, right? Um, yeah. So going back to expectations, not really expecting them to actually have a proper knowledge of how to like organize a practice, I think people don't really realize how free and able other human beings are to provide knowledge. And in today's world, in 2020, whether it's as an this sounds makes me feel old, but it's if it's as old school as an email, or there's as there's different than Instagram, Facebook, there's so many different areas where you can reach out to people that actually do know what they're doing. Like I would whip up a practice program for somebody in freaking five seconds if they asked me to. If they just said, I have X amount of kids and I want to accomplish X, Y, and Z, boom, I got a practice plan for you. And I think, you know having the knowledge onto how to organize a practice and making it more upbeat and more exciting and more fun and enjoyable for the player. I think that's just going to trickle down. Even if the player at age six, seven, eight years old, whatever the age is like, they're probably not going to play middle school baseball, like not going to be good enough to do it. Then they're probably, and then some kids probably aren't going to be good enough to play JV or varsity, then college and so on and so forth. So I, I think we got to cater more to that large majority of player and making sure that it's fun for them and for the health and well-being of the game. I think that's very important. And parents should know. And if you're not a parent or just a volunteer, right? So we keep seeing parents, but parents and volunteers should know that they are one message away from getting the answers that they seek for. Great point. You know, and and it's it's what's the worst case scenario if somebody were to dm me on instagram what's the worst case scenario i don't answer back but i'm a i'm a gary v nut and he says this if you dm 100 people 100 credible people i guarantee one of them will respond to you and it's so easy to d you can you can dm 100 people in like 30 minutes flat easy especially with like copy, oh, yeah. especially with like copy paste if you if you use copy paste i can probably whip out 100 dms in 15 minutes you know, so like, like, don't just sit there and dwell on ignorance or just soak yourself in ignorance, like reach out and don't be afraid to reach out to like super duper credible people. I don't care if you're running like I'm in Salem, Massachusetts. I don't care if you're running Salem, Mass, Little League, reach out to the head coach, head coach of Clemson, Vanderbilt, Florida, Texas, like reach out to all of them. I guarantee somebody will respond. I think, uh, volunteers and parents have to have that self-will to like kind of make themselves better even if it's just five percent better and the most important thing in my opinion is the quality of practice and by quality i mean how enjoyable is it for the 12 little kids out there 
uh, do they leave saying, did they learn something? Did they have fun? Did they make friends? So on and so forth. Yeah, totally. I mean, just to piggyback on Coach Juan, um, you know, I, I have situations where I deal with a lot of parent coaches, and the ones that I see are the most successful. I don't mean wins and losses. The ones that are the most successful are the ones that know how to connect, keep the kids organized, keep the kids moving, uh, and wanting to sign up again for the next season. I think that's a victory right there. So uh, if you can reach out to great coaches like you and Juan, Coach Juan, and uh, there's thousands on Instagram and YouTube, um, I I think a a real answer, you got to take your ego out of this because just like you said so beautifully, Coach Drexel, you're learning with us. I'm learning from everybody on this podcast. You know, we are all not the Messiah. No one is the Messiah. Everyone has something to gain from someone. So I think as a parent coach, you know, a lot of parents that I deal with come from the corporate world. They work at a hedge fund and they go to a uh, to coach a little league game. And it, God bless them. They're doing it most of the time out of the goodness of their heart, which I would say 99 percent. And it's like, yeah, I know how to do this. I know how to run a corporation. So I know how to run a little league. Yeah, maybe we can work in unison, use those practical skills, but also intertwine with the professional coaches. So. I think it's important to really take your ego out of this because I, I think that is like a great book. I forgot who wrote it. Ego is the enemy. It, it really could be the enemy uh, with a lot of parent coaches. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think um, the the other aspect too is that if if you're like, let's say you're by yourself, you're, you're coaching or you're volunteering and you're by yourself, uh, you know, Coach Juan, you're saying – which I totally agree with, you want to make sure that all of them are doing something. You can't just run a practice where it's just everyone in one line and everything else. And I think that occurs because they're, you're by yourself. So a lot of times when you're by yourself, you feel like you're in more control when you have one thing going on at a time. Don't be afraid to do multiple activities. Make sure your eye views can see the kids because you still want to make sure that you're seeing them, they see you. But the other part is that you, if you are with people, don't be afraid to have them run different uh, training or different uh, activities and stuff that will keep all the kids active throughout the whole hour, 30, 45 minutes, hour and a half, whatever time frame that you have. Because when you do that, when you do that, then the kids will eventually, like Juan and Justin said, have fun and want to continue to play baseball. No, totally agree. And I, I like, I'm just, I want kids and to not only continue to play baseball, but, you know, Justin said, like, one of the most important pieces is do they want to come back? Right. <laughs> like, and yeah. I'm going to use like a, a, a restaurant, for example, like if you go to a restaurant, and you have a bad experience. What's the likelihood of of you actually expressing that within the restaurant? Very little. Right. We typically like we all have the ethical standard to not be like, well, this sucks, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, cuss out people. So instead, what's our option? We just don't go back. Like that's our uh, we just don't go back. So you have a bad time at practice. You have a bad time in games like you don't have a good experience. Most of us aren't going to express that we had a bad experience. The way we express it is by not going back. <laughs> yeah, Coach, exactly. I, 
And, I, lo- and I love that yeah. on this. I don't mean to interrupt. I mean, one other thing I'd like to say to help a parent coach, whoever's listening to us three, which you've done a great job, Coach Drexel. I think a lot of the times, even at the professional level, parents or sorry, even professional coaches, along with parent coaches, we need to trust students. I call us students. We're all students. Trust students with their abilities, meaning if you have a practice and you are by yourself with 11 kids, which happens a lot, you need to trust kids. You have to give the proper instruction and direction. It doesn't even mean, doesn't even have to be the best instruction as far as the actual mechanics of what you're teaching, hitting, throwing, fielding. You need to trust students that they could do an activity on their own. They could partner with each other without having 11 kids on a line. Maybe they should partner up and roll each other ground balls. Okay. Maybe they can throw each other fly balls. We need to trust our players more. Kids could do, if I have any message for any parent coach, kids could do a lot more than we think. You know, they could do a lot more than we believe. And we have to trust them and let them, if they are to, you know, in the eyes of a coach, screw up, which is there's no such thing in Little League. You're all you're either learning or winning, right? Um, we have to understand yeah. that that is a very, very vital step. That's a vital step uh, to becoming a more successful parent coach. Let trust your players. Let them. You could be a facilitator and and trust their ability, even at seven, eight years old. Trust them. <laughs> Can I give an example here? Because that just like popped something in my head. So th- this year with Antonelli Baseball, I coached our 11-year-olds, which is our youngest group. And I never in the last three years being here had any desire coaching anything underneath our prospect guys, right? Like no desire whatsoever. Don't want to do it. But, you know, when the boss asks you to do it, you do it, right? So I went into it thinking, well, all right, F it. I'm going to teach them exactly like I teach our prospect guys. And the beautiful part about this is like, I, I don't know if this is the right way to put it. Like these young kids, these 10, 11 year olds, like they're not ruined yet. Like they were like sponges. They actually grasped everything that I asked them to do at a much higher rate than the 16, 17, 18 year olds. Because by 16, 17, 18, these guys have heard different things from different coaches. And like, I don't remember ever dumbing anything down to them, which was like, it was something that I was prepared to do, but I never had to do it. And I like, that's like not a coach thing. That's like a kid thing. Like they grasp things at a much higher rate than I think people give them credit for. Yeah. And, and I think um, we we can all agree and i think the funniest videos that we've seen probably is when a child says why and then you explain and then they say why that and then you explain and then they say why that i i love the fact that majority of kids they want to dive into it they they may not know intentionally that they're diving into it but they they always ask why so that they can connect things and i think when you're a kid you you just wanting to connect things. How does this work? Why? How? <laughs> what? Great point. And Great. Uh, yeah, and so it's, it's so true. 
It's so true. I will say like the, the teams for, for that 10, 11 year old team, the teams that we beat the snot out of and the worst teams that we played were the teams that were getting yelled at for simple baseball plays that were, they were making mistakes on simple plays, but like I kept watching and it's simple to us now, right? It's simple to us now because we've experienced all these things. So we look at that as such a simple play and they're getting barked at. And I started learning, like, as the weeks went by, I'm like, oh my gosh, like these kids are just ignorant. Like they just don't know. So instead of yelling, let's just freaking teach them how to do it. Right. So like every, I remember every mistake, like we would make, I would just write it down and we went over and practice. I never yelled at them once throughout the year for like mistakes that they were making that in my mind, okay, if our, if our college kids were making those mistakes, yeah, I'd probably make them run, <laughs> you know, but like, they're kids. They don't know. They're like, like you said, Drex, they're seeking this information. They like, they want to know why is coach mad? And it's never, a lot of these coaches don't even translate why they're mad and try yeah. to fix the issue. I, I totally agree with what you're saying, Juan. I see this often too. I see it where a, a parent a coach or a coach, or even sometimes even some high school coaches I've, I've met in the past, they, they're yelling at the kids that are on the field. And it's like, why are you yelling at them in front of everybody? First of all, you don't want to do that. They may feel embarrassed or they already feel embarrassed and or and failing the team by missing or making a mistake. So by you yelling at them doesn't help. The second thing, too, is that if you are yelling at them and or they make a play or something, they may feel something, but they may not know exactly why they feel that way. All they right. know is that everyone in the sand said, oh, or, you know, their reaction of people around them, they're like, what happened? Like, why, why is everyone reacting the way that they are? Because sometimes, like, for example, I made a play. I remember this vividly. Um, and I, I was running the bases just uh, three weeks ago during my game, and my coach yelled at me for not running the third base. But I, I stayed at second because there was two outs. We were, we were tied game. And he hit a, a shallow nine drive to center field. For me, I'm saying I'm in scoring position. I'm staying at second. I'm not going to risk going to third. But my coach wanted me to go to third. I stayed at third. So I think also we have to give credit to some kids and, and – you know, take some time ourselves saying, why did they do that? Why did he throw it the third instead of second? Or why did he throw it the first instead of second? Instead of yelling at them uh, saying, why did you, like, instead of yelling at them, you should have thrown it at second. Instead, they uh, ask them, hey, why did you throw it the first? What, what were you thinking? And I think that will create some conversation and also more depth and connection with the kids too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I heard Coach Juan talk about Gary V, and I know he, Gary V, talks a lot about the word empathy. And I think that really makes this has nothing to do with how well you know baseball. If you have empathy and understanding, you are on your way as a great coach, I believe. And that's in regards to even a parent coach. Okay, understanding this, understanding that maybe understanding their thinking, like you said about not going to third base and 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 genuinely asking a player. I love that coach. 
um, genuinely asking a player, like, why did you do that? Oh, well, I, I thought I could, you know, maybe I, I, I knew I would score on a base hit. Okay. Valid. And then on the side note, at the end of the inning or the end of the game, you can pull them aside, whoever that is, and make an adjustment or pat them on the back and say, you know what, I like your thinking. So the word empathy here is a big one, big one. So that's a great point, Coach. I, I would love to get into the third question. Um, and I think the third question is that I want to address um, – something that I see often and I don't know if you guys see it. And so when it comes to uh, teaching the kids, educating the kids and then playing the game, how important is it for us to take and subtract or substitute from the end result? Because I feel many parent coaches or coaches or even the parents that are in the stands or who and the volunteers as well. When when it comes down to the game, I see often many times that people are so focused on winning and or they the parents are living through their child in a way. What are what is it that we can do to kind of improve and or uh, give some perspective on that? You know what I do on my little guys? I don't carry a book. My kids don't know the score, the inning. They don't know anything. Like, I don't want them to know a damn thing. I don't want them to know that they went two for two. I don't want them to know that they went 0 for two. I don't want them to know anything whatsoever. And I like, I make them focus. And and granted, it's different because kind of going back to the very, very beginning that parents are paying for their kids to get better to play in our organization. Um, so it's a little bit different because I can be a little bit more stern with these things, but um, I just make sure that they focus on like the process that they're disciplined. And this isn't like a, a malicious type thing. Like I want them to play within their personality, whatever their personality is, let's ratchet this thing up by times 10 play around that personality, but do it in a structured disciplined manner. And I think to answer your question best, like, don't carry a book. I think the book is the stupidest thing that you could do at just about any level. Like, seriously, at like any level in terms of just mental health of performing. Um, but like, you you shouldn't care. Like, no one cares. It Like, Coach Corbin in Vandy, when he recruits a kid, he's never going to ask how he did his 10 U season. Right. Ever. He doesn't care. Right. He doesn't care when, when you make your varsity team in high school, he will not care that you went 0 for 15 in a three day stretch when you were nine years old. Right. At the end, like, no, like that. I, I stress this, but like, I truly carry myself in this, in this manner. I truly try to uh, implement this with our guys. Like no one cares. So just play. No one cares, period. Um, and I think one of the things that I see that I have success with my teams is we just don't carry the book. It's nowhere near the dugout. And early in the year, it will be a popsicle headache. These kids are going to be like, what's the score? What inning is it? Blah, 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 blah. And the more you, you respond with, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We're going to play until the umpires tell us to leave. Like, I love I don't know. that. By the, middle of that. By the middle of the season, like my kids – my 10 and 11 year olds 
they carried themselves in that same manner. I ne- by like game 10, 11, 12, I never heard a kid ask what the score was. I never heard a kid ask what inning it was. Like none of that. They just played and and they they it became a running joke because they're so little. They thought I was being goofy. They were like, it became a running joke between the unit. Like, we're just going to play until the umpires tell us to leave. And like, that's a great attitude to have. But I think it all starts with like, get the book out of the dugout because no one cares if you're 0 for 2 or 2 for 2. Nobody. I love that. I love that. We both love it. We both love it. <laughs> we both love it. <laughs> I, it, it, go, it goes to the slogan of baseball. You can't win today's game with yesterday's home run. Yeah. Like no so, one cares. <laughs> you, like it doesn't even matter. And 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 what's interesting too is that no one cares about like if you're a pitcher or if you're a, you make an error, no one cares because what next? Like you got to get out of that inning still. It's not like it's over. <laughs> like you still right. focus on the next one. And I think um, that goes to the identity and what well, not. I shouldn't say identity. It, it goes to the mindset as well to focusing more on the one pitch at a time mindset as a player and as a coach and as a volunteer, whoever you are, think about it. You watch the game, not based on last, the last pitch. You watch the game based on the next one. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Joe, Joe Madden, the, the manager of uh, the angels. Now I, I almost said the Cubs, he had a great line and I stick, I, I heard this about, years ago when he was with Tampa I can't believe it seven years ago and this applies to what we're talking about he's like look I really he's like I love to drink my red wine uh as a manager in the dugout in the uh manager's office the real rule that I have the only rule that I really have is that you run hard to first I will never yell yell I will never get mad at you um the only time I will get angry the word angry is if you don't run hard to first what does that mean? How does that apply to a parent coach? You, you shouldn't get mad at a, at a player ever. I mean, ever. Should, I, I would almost say ever for making an error because no student, no player ever wants to make an error. The only time that you could raise your voice is if it's immediate danger, which is on you as far as for the organization of the practice and keeping kids safe. And that's where the professional coaches come in to help you assist in that area or they're not giving their best effort right so there is no reason to yell at a kid it just shows your own lack of control and that's you living through your child and your own frustrations which is just unethical and you're not doing it for the right reasons or you need it you need proper training from a professional coach or you need to think of something else to do so I love that Joe Madden quote because the only real time you should ever yell in a situation is immediate danger or, you know, a, a situation where they're not hustling. And, and again, if you're really high level jujitsu thinking, that's probably on you for not motivating that player too. So if you look inward, there should be no real valid reason to ever yell ever in a little league game. And oh yeah, and can you expand that totally. to even the umpires? Like I I say this all the time. You know what? Eleven U baseball requires eleven U umpires. Like there's there's a reason 
why they're here umpiring 11U baseball at 9 a.m. on a Sunday in the middle of Massachusetts instead of driving to Fenway Park, right? Or driving to wherever to uh, umpire a game. Totally, totally. So, like, they're, they're human. They're human. They're going to make mistakes. Like, if, if an umpire really, like really wants to screw a 10 year old he has deep rooted issues that again probably doesn't even require <laughs> exactly probably doesn't even require yelling at him still like you shouldn't even yell at him still you should feel empathetic towards him wanting to screw a 10 year old as opposed totally. to just like and, and again I, I i it gives oh, me reassurance selfishly speaking and it should give parent coaches listening to this and any coach not just a parent coach uh, it kind of what you said coach one it's like I, I, as I'm listening to this, I've coached and we've all coached hundreds of games between all three of us, hundreds. I've never, I've, I would say I've probably yelled at an umpire and without even thinking about it, maybe once or twice in my whole career. Meaning, like, what's the point? Like, what is really the point at a, at a nine U level? What is the point? There is no point. And, and ultimately, you're not teaching not- anything. You're, you're literally, you're negating your purpose. You're, you're, you're doing exactly what you're not supposed to do to set an example. And, uh, so yeah, 100%, there's just zero point ever. And we can even extend that to the players. If you're, if you're listening to this and you're a player, you're an athlete and you're on the field, regardless of what sport you're playing, there's no need to get upset with an umpire for a call or anything else. You know, I had, I was just pitching uh, last weekend where the umpire wasn't giving me any of the corners. I was painting the corners beautifully and I have video that show how I did hit the corners, and it was definitely across the plate, just didn't get the call. And my, my catcher, he, after we went in to the dugout, he's like, dude, he took away seven strikes from you. And I was like, yeah, he did. But, I mean, what what are we going to do? We can't do anything about it. We just got to focus on hitting. We got to move into the strike zone more and just move on from there. And so I could get upset that he didn't give me a strike and I could have gotten a couple of strikeouts, but that's not going to do anything. And so it, 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 I feel like it extends to the player. It, it really extends to everybody. Anyone, everyone – you don't really need to express any anger or frustration to an umpire. Instead, just report them quietly. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. if it's really that bad, if it's really that bad, there are organiz- there there are ways to confront it in a proper manner. Absolutely. I also say, I mean, I'm sure Coach Juan could attest to this. Like, I always tell my players, maybe this is a taboo statement because of COVID right now. But I always tell my catchers to shake the hand of the umpire. They're people. They're people, and you're building a relationship. You're building a relationship. So that does help. I mean, I hate to say, like, it's not cheating. It's just you're being a human being. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to call all strikes for you when you're on the mound because you shook their hand. But it's respecting the game. It's respecting the process. And that's the big picture of youth development for uh, young athletes. That's the big picture. It's not about winning the game necessarily. Obviously, you, you play to win the game, right? You play to learn and have fun, to win. I mean, you can't say that, oh, we're not there to win. You are there to win. But 
the big, 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 big picture is everyone's human. We're learning, learning empathy, sportsmanship, teamwork. So absolutely. Anything else you would like to add, Juan? No, I am in total and complete agreeing. Awesome. Well, I would love to dive into uh, the two questions from my Hawk fam, the two parent coaches. I think this is going to be awesome. Uh, Especially thank you guys again for tuning in with me to help some people. I hope that this podcast has been serving you guys who are listening. So the first question that I have is that um, it's from John. John was wondering if I am by myself, what are three things that I can do or need to do to help make sure that the kids develop? That's if you are, if you are by yourself, what are three things that you can do to ensure the development of kids? Yeah. So it is. So in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's loaded. Uh, if you're by yourself, I'm trying to think because I think going back, like practice plan is by far like being prepared. I guess that's one. So let's just start with that. Like being prepared to know what to do when you show up at practice is like number one, like how can take the number of kids that you have? How can I make sure that they're in groups of four or less doing different things or maybe even doing the same thing? Like who cares, but like spread them out make sure everybody's active running around um, things of that nature. There are a number of different drills and routines and group group activities that you can do in the game of baseball to allow that to happen. But I would say the number one thing would be to have the preparation going into practice. Let's see. I'm going to swing it to Justin. No, I, 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 that's, those are great. I mean, it's simple and to the point. And Again, I go back to what I was saying like earlier as far as trusting that the kids can could do a lot more than you think. So if you're by yourself and you have 10 players, let's just say 10 players for even number's sake, you could partner them up and you are a facilitator and now your eyes are all on – sorry, both your eyes are on 10 players as opposed to one and 10 nine players kicking dirt in the back of the line. And that's something I talk about to, to my parent coaches when I give these conferences is these kids could do a lot more, whether it's a partner drill, whether it's uh, even individually and not necessarily a partner. Maybe it's they're on their own, just literally throwing a ball up to themselves and working on running catches. You can have 10 put. I saw the clap. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I saw the clapping thing that you do. Yeah. I thought that was genius. For yes. Yes, that was I mean, so I genius, that, man. But I mean, it's that simple. It doesn't have to be genius. I mean, that's. I, I appreciate the flattery, but you can do that with 13 players at an 8U level, and you're working on hand-eye coordination. You're working on the eyes tracking the baseball into the glove. I mean, those are things that you, you are probably getting more out of that than hitting fly balls to a, a player and there's nine players standing around. You're getting more out of nine players at their own station, okay? Throwing fly balls to themselves and getting 20 reps as opposed to one player going at a time, hitting them fly balls, and they're standing around. So be creative 
And there's really no wrong answers. As long as you're creative and they're moving, like what Coach Juan is saying, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. So, yeah. And and I think, uh, too, you know, we're in this world of digital, um, you know, you see a drill that is, like, designed and you see it as it's the single uh, person. What you can do, too, is you can uh, also, like, oh, can I also do this with, many different uh, people at the same time. Can I have kids all do it at the same time? For example, uh, I, there was a practice running at the little league when I was pitching. And what I saw was the coach on the mound with the kid and the kid was picking off or throwing towards home plate. And there was one kid that was running for me personally. I would have said in my head, I was like, why doesn't he have just all the kids line up on the baseline, you know, the foul line, and then if he picked off, then all of them dive back. They're gonna, they can dive back on the grass and on the dirt. Like it doesn't have to be back to a bag. It just has to be practicing that reaction of getting picked off or not. And then if they uh, go towards home plate, all the kids can run towards second base uh, baseline. That you can, you know, put a rope or something, or you can even just they run straight ahead of you. And I think that get creative in that aspect of hey how can i make this drill or activity that you personally love to do that you believe in that helps your kids and see how you can make it to where multiple act uh multiple kids being able to do it at the same time uh, that's 100 i mean just like my go-to practice like if i had nothing planned and just show up like I mean, to me, it's easy and simple. It's just, you know, you run, stretch, throw, hands routine, fly ball routine, team defense with the fungo. And then with batting practice, you have a batting practice group, a live defense behind and a base running group. And you play every fifth swing live. Like I, I, you can get through two hours and everybody's moving on everything that I just mentioned for two straight hours easily. And that that's something that I, I think – what would be great is uh, I'm going to reach out to both of you after this and, and I'm going to provide a link below this podcast when I launch it next week. I want to go ahead and put together a small um, template or book of different activities that they can do and they can download for free off of the all of our websites or uh, our social media just to download if they need it. I think that would be great. Do you guys want to Absolutely. do that? Absolutely. Yeah, that's good info. That's, I actually yeah, just started. I just started yeah, writing. So I'm down uh, to do that. Possibly. Uh, this is kind of a, I didn't tell any of you guys yet. I guess I'll say it on the podcast. I am in the process of writing a book for a parent coach as far as like a pamphlet, just a little small p- pocket book uh, for the parent coach. And I would love to upload a lot of those uh, to whatever you need me to do. Oh, perfect. That would be awesome. And I've been in the process of doing that for for a while, too. So I think it, with all of us, we'll be able to really put together something that will really help a Fantastic. lot of people. I, I think it will be great. Absolutely love it. Uh, so, oh, let's go into the second question. Uh, this is actually from uh, Keisha. I believe it's Keisha. Keisha, she's a mom. Uh, she said, How, if I'm not a, I never played baseball and I, uh, I only watch, but 
but I don't understand the game, but how can I help my son when he's at home to help him with practice? Well, I, I guess it, let's just uh, put the variable that we don't have the financial means to give him like a private coach or private lessons and sessions. So literally at home, nothing, nothing to do. If you are active enough, you know, as a mom, if you're mobile enough and, and some of us might not be, but if you're mobile enough to literally just help them with skill, you can freaking roll ground balls to them back and forth all day. Right. Like you can do it with a, have them do it with a glove, have them do it without a glove, you know, have them do it, you know, running into it, have them do it going laterally. Like there's a number of different things that you can do if you guys have like an active lifestyle together. Um, if you don't, I mean, my go-to, my parents didn't really have, uh, too much skill. Like my dad can handle a fungo a little bit and he can play catch a little bit, but it did get to the point where I was a little bit too overwhelming for him. But one thing they did is they just, they literally got me a, a steel door and put a strike zone on it and it got me a bucket <laughs> of baseballs and they said, go throw it. <laughs> and that's it. That's, that's all I did. Like you don't need anything fancy. You just need if on the throwing side, at least you definitely don't need anything fancy. You just need something to freaking throw at. Right. Yeah. It, like it could be a tree for all I care. Like go find a tree and, and put a circle on the tree and throw against a tree. I don't care what you do. But on the throwing side, like you don't need to do anything fancy. If the kid has the will to just grab the bucket of baseballs and stand in front of like a target and just chuck all day, that's going to make him so much better. And you can, you know, react off of what you're throwing at and feel ground balls off of it. Like there's so many different things that you can do, but uh, to kind of build the relationship, you know, mother and son. And if you guys have an active lifestyle, like there's so many different things that, that you can do. Like you're really like a Google search away or a YouTube search away from finding some great drills that you can do at home in the backyard inside. Like there's so many different things that you can do. Totally. I think you're better off doing and maybe coach Wong could piggyback on this too and see if I'm on track here, if he agrees, I think you're better off doing two or three of those simple drills as opposed to trying to figure it all out. Cause let me tell you, no matter who you are, you're not going to just figure it all out. You're never going to figure it all out. It, it, no matter even if you've been coaching for 25 years, there's always more to learn. So you're not going to learn everything. But the bottom line is, is your kid, is your child attempting to get better at skill? And if you're doing that, whether it's rolling a tennis ball in a, in a living room, that's fantastic. You're doing your job as a parent. You are doing your job. Obviously, to elaborate, to go yeah. into... Uh, the professional coaching and to research and do uh, reach out to professional coaches in YouTube. And I mean, with so many uh, tools now, I mean, there's so many drills you could just find in a, in a heartbeat. But I mean, the bottom line is if you are, if your kid is, is buying into you practicing with you, meaning if you're practicing, if your kid is practicing and you're doing the skill, even if it's two or three skills a day, every single day, victory. I totally like I totally agree. I'm a big believer that the human body will just figure it out. And I kind of go back to like, you know, kids in the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico and you know, Spanish is my first language and I'll go and I'll train and I'll listen to the trainer speak to them. Like the coaching itself really isn't that great. 
Like it really isn't. But you know what they do do? They freaking take a thousand ground balls in an hour. Like they they just they just do the repetitions over and over and they choose like Justin just said, they they only choose like three things. Okay, we're going to hit throw and field today like that's it. Right? No running, no sprinting, just those three things, but we're going to do it over and over and over again. Like going back with myself, like my biggest tool ever my entire life was just throwing, but like looking back at my childhood, that's not a coincidence because that's all I did. I had to really work my tail off to hit, but with throwing, it just happened naturally. Why? Because my parents got me a door and I threw against the door without nobody saying anything. Right. So like just going back to just choosing, right. One or two things like the body will just start understanding it. Like it just will whether you realize it or not with no thought behind it or not, if you just keep performing the same action over and over and over and over and over again, eventually it's going to understand. I totally agree. And, and I, I want to mention too, like in today world with all the different internet and websites and companies and everything, when I was a kid and I'm sure you guys could contest to this too, but when I was a kid, it literally took me three months of doing lawn work and to save up to $280, I think it was, and to get a net just to throw at, just to throw at the net because I was throwing the ball at the wall and my Must neighbor called gas. the police. Um, <laughs> well, I was, there's, really, I was, there's really no excuse in today's world. To give you some perspective, YouTube didn't come out until I was a freshman in college, you know, like, so like there's, if I, I, and like, I'm, my generation can probably say this until the cows come home. Like if I had just had YouTube my entire life, God only knows how much good information I could have gotten out of baseball. Exactly. Totally agree. And I think that'd be, you know, if you're, if you're a parent and you have your kids, you know, constantly wanting to watch Netflix or YouTube or something, Make that as an engagement. Say, hey, you've been wanting to improve on your hitting. You know, you want to improve on your swing? Let's watch a YouTube video of how to become a better uh, hitter. And just watch a whole bunch of different videos on that. You encourage them to, one, search, two, discover, three, apply, and four, that you start to engage with them as a relationship of wanting to get better. Excellent. Excellent. Now I'm with that. Excellent. All right, you guys. I have this podcast. I really do hope really impact you guys. Thank you again, and Coach Justin and Juan for joining into this, this podcast, awesome. you guys. Definitely. Oh, thanks uh, for having us. This, this, was is awesome. a, this was a great one. Yeah, no. I, if we're <laughs> jinxing, that means we're doing something right. So uh, <laughs> great job. Great job. I, I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. Thank you guys again. And if you are a new subscriber, please join into our Hawk family. Like I always say, I am not better than you. I am learning with you. I am definitely learning a lot today with these guys. I hope that it has taught you some stuff. But remember, you guys, it is one thing to learn and another to apply. So make sure that you apply what you have learned today. Get better. Let's join forces and start impacting the youth community and also players to becoming great individuals and athletes i hope you guys have a good one and please leave a like and comment below and let's get after it this